You are listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Miller-Snell. During these podcasts, we'll be exploring all of the different opportunities that we get to seize the day on a daily basis and what tools and what changes we can make in order to grab those goals. Are you ready to make change? Hello, 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 podcast lovers. How are you all? It's Thursday. I'm Natalie and you are listening to Seize the Day. Now, what's been going on in my world? I'll give you a quick update on the kittens. They're getting big. They are super cute. They are into everything. It's, oh crikey, the amount of scratches I have on my hand is is amazing. In fact, I've got this, uh, I might post a picture, I've got this gorgeous one on the inside of my hand, which is so far from practical and it's the tiniest scratch, but it hurts so much. But yeah, they're gorgeous. Um, they need to be neutered. Oh my goodness. Little Jack is getting frisky with Liza. It, she's your sister. Oh, it's not stopping him. So um, I'm reliably informed that cats can, or kittens rather, can get pregnant from as early as four months, which is this week. So yes, we're, we're taking them down to get them done soon. So fingers crossed on that front, please send good vibes this way. Our, our older boy, Smudge, love him. He's really beginning to tolerate them now. It's so cute and they all play a bit. So it's, it's really quite lovely. They're gorgeous. I will no doubt post loads of pictures of all of them. So uh, if you like cats, you're going to be very happy. <laughs> Uh, what else to tell you? I am continuing to exercise. I'm loving it. Really, really, really loving it. It's absolutely fantastic. My personal trainer is amazing, Sam. Uh, yeah, I'm eating better, exercising more frequently, noticing a difference in both my body shape and also my ability to uh, to lift weights, which is fantastic. So uh, yeah, all good in that front. Now uh, on to today's podcast, and I've decided to do a topical one. Woohoo! Uh, what with the current world facing the, the spread of the coronavirus or COVID-19, I thought I would focus on some tips to help, well, to help with anxiety and fears during, you know, what will be a pandemic outbreak. So I thought I'd break the show down into to three parts, if you like. First, I'm going to talk about what the virus is. Um, if you If you don't know, you probably do. I'm sure everyone's been Googling and, and researching bits and bobs on it. But what the virus is and where it started. Then I'm going to talk about some stats to date. To, some stats to date, if that made sense. Or if you heard it even. Now, this information I have pulled from the internet this morning. I am recording this on Monday, the 2nd of March. This will air on Thursday, the 5th of March, which is when you will hear it. I'm typically late doing this. I don't know how Sheena puts up with me. <laughs> but... So I'm recording this on Monday the 2nd. This is when I pulled the information off the internet in the morning. I've seen already online that some of the information has changed and gone up a bit already. So uh, bear with me. I'll talk through what I've found and, and uh, you know, researched online. And then thirdly, I'll walk through some steps or the three tips for helping with um, anxiety at this time. Okay, now also before I get going, it's important to say and to disclaim, I am not a doctor. So anything I talk about on here is my own common sense that I'm offering as uh, potentially advice, but I'm not a doctor. I'm literally just relaying what I'm finding online. I consider myself a relatively intelligent person who likes to research anything I hear about and certainly understand it and how it works. I don't take things on face value, particularly when we're talking about something like this, because it does scare people and it does well it weighs on your mind so I like to know everything so I, I've done a decent amount of research on it and um, 
well, I'm looking at it daily. So, but I'm not a doctor just to say what I'm offering is anything that I've looked at online and any experience I have or just a general opinion. Okay, covered that off. I should put a disclaimer at the bottom of these, uh, <laughs> the podcasts maybe. Anyway, all right, let's first talk about the COVID-19 virus itself. It was first discovered in China in December 2019. So not that long ago, what, three months? No, not even three months, two and a half months, something like that. It's very quick. It spread very quickly. It was discovered in Wuhan and it is caused by a member of the coronavirus family, which is interesting that it's been coined coronavirus because that is actually a virus family. And so hence why a lot of folk refer to it as COVID-19, which I will try to do in this podcast. It's never been encountered before, which is always interesting when you come up with these viruses. Not you come up when you come across these viruses, not when you come up with them. That's the conspiracy. Maybe we'll talk about that later. (laughs) When you come across these viruses, when they've never been encountered before, that's when everyone gets a bit alarmed because how immune systems work or don't work as the case may be in terms of tackling them and how they might develop. So like other coronaviruses, it comes from animals. Uh, Many of those initially infected were either, well, they either worked or frequently shopped in the seafood wholesale market in the centre of the Chinese city. So that's how it came about. Now, as I mentioned, there are loads of conspiracy theories around this and some I really like. I'll be honest, I really like and I'm kind of feeling it. I won't lie. But there's a book by Dean Kunst, K-O-O-N-T-Z, entitled The Eyes of Darkness. Now, 40 years ago, he wrote this thriller. And in his book, he talks about a deadly virus called Wuhan 400. (laughs) The exact place he talks about in the book where this virus would start and then circulate around the world. Fascinating. I mean... Is it conspiracy? Is it just really a massive coincidence? Either way, oh, that's my squeaky chair. It's it's really fascinating. Oh, my, sorry, lots of noise from my chair today. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, get your hands on it. You might have seen it already online. Now, I'm also going to attach into the show notes a link to a YouTube video, which I've watched, um, a, a chat pulled together, which is really lovely. It's 10 minutes long. It's really worth viewing. Lots of stats on there, lots of great graphs. And basically, he compares the COVID-19 virus against other pandemics that we've seen in the world and the mortality rates. So it's very fascinating. It's quite sobering in the sense that it really puts things into perspective, but it doesn't dimin- diminish or reduce things that we should you know be mindful of and and pay attention to but it's really worth the look so I'll pop that in the show notes as well. Okay so that covers the virus itself now let's talk about the facts as we know them and as I've mentioned it's Monday today the 2nd of March I'm airing these facts based on what I have what I've seen online this morning they may well have changed and I know for sure something's changed already in Germany the numbers have gone up so About a week ago, Italian health minister Roberto Speranza is reported to have said, we are talking about a virus that doesn't respect borders. And that's an extremely apt comment coming from him and from Italy, who are a country that stopped flights from China to prevent the spread. And yet Italy has the biggest spread in Europe outside of China. Now, I do actually have lots of websites open. And again, I'll add all of these links into the show notes because they are fab. There's a great website, worldometers.info. Really fantastic information on it. And it also, the one thing that I really love, it lists all the countries and how many many cases there are versus the number of deaths 
active cases, recovered cases and so on. It's really fabulous. So looking at this, uh, this website, as of this morning, when I clicked in, coronavirus cases are reported at 89,219, of which there have been 3,058 deaths. So when you plug that in as a percentage, it comes out at 3.4%. Now, comparing that to the common flu, it's difficult to get the actual numbers on the common flu because they, they're not really detailed online and they do vary by website to website that you look at. I'm sure if you get some official journals or some medical journals, you'll be able to get the, a more accurate reading. That They vary massively. 3.4% fatality is roughly 20 times the death rate of the common flu. So it is it is a bit more serious. And, you know, don't listen to the ignoramus who leads the big powerhouse on the States. I love you, all of my American friends, and I feel for you because that guy is a douche. Um, it's worth researching it and having a look for yourself and just having a lot of common sense. So let's, uh, when you look at that number, 89,219 cases recovered are 45,205. Now that's over 50%. So that's quite amazing in terms of the folk that have recovered already. I've mentioned the the, the death numbers. Uh, I've mentioned the death numbers. So now what's really interesting, obviously on the other side, you've got the closed, recovered or, or, or died, unfortunately, cases. You've then still got the active cases. Now I'm going to deal with percents now because I'm, I'm conscious I'm saying a lot of numbers. Of the active cases that haven't either been closed out as recovered or unfortunately have died there are 82 percent who are deemed in a mild condition and there is another 18 percent who are serious or critical now obviously I hope and I'm sure you all do as well that those cases you know get better and they heal however there's a chance that there will be fatalities within that number so when looking at any of this stuff online, you are talking about a moment in time. And sometimes it can be really skewed in terms of percentages and numbers and trying to rationalise. Does it compare to this? Does it compare to that? What, what does it look like compared to this in terms of other pandemics? It really relies on the data that whoever's published this has got, you know, in this case, it's the worldometers. They've got at that time. New cases will be coming through constantly. Plus, also, we must bear in mind there will be a number of unreported deaths and there will be a number of unreported folk who have got the condition that haven't necessarily thought they've got it and they don't report it to, you know, a health organisation. So they don't actually get captured, which is really interesting. And I'll come on to that in just a moment. So is there anything else that I can tell you about here? I've mentioned already, there's a great chart here. China heads it up with 80,000 cases, you know, near on 3,000 deaths, which I think for them is about 2%. Uh, the real, the, the bigger one in terms of percentage, which is worth considering is Iran, 978 of, they've got 55 deaths, which I think is more like 5 or 6%. And then you go down, go down the list in terms of, oh, there's a lot of countries that have now got the, the virus. So... But, you know, bear in mind, 50% or over 50% of the number of the coronavirus cases at the moment or COVID-19 have recovered, which is, is amazing. So that's really worth considering. Now, stats wise, if we want to think about the other, there were two major pandemics in recent history. We obviously did have SARS and we've had MERS, which were kind of contained within the local area. High percentage of death rates, but not globally massive the other two extreme pandemics were the spanish flu 
and swine flu. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Spanish flu because I don't believe from what I've seen online and certainly what I've read and what we're being advised that it will be or is as dangerous. Goodness gracious, if it is, if it's anywhere near the Spanish flu, then obviously there's got to be different conversations going on, which is why I don't think it is because that killed 50 million or even 50 million to 100 million back in 1918. Now, also putting that into perspective, 1918 was the end of the First World War. Hygiene, living conditions, there would have been a lot of ill folk with stress from the back of the wars as well. So we are, we live in a different world in terms of containment and also being able to treat things or our own immunity. So there's a number of things why I, I don't want to compare to the Spanish flu, but, you know, it's at the back of everyone's mind, I'm sure. If we talk about the swine flu, now, again, these numbers are online and there's, there's such a great margin between them, or huge margin, it's amazing. The swine flu, apparently, when you look online, between 700 and 1,400 million people contracted the illness. And within that number, 150,000 to 575,000. So again, an enormous, an enormous uh, void between what was the real number were fatal. So let me just bring up my calculator here. When we talk about, let's take the worst case or the, the worst case, which would be seven, sorry, 575,000 deaths against 700, one, two, three, one, two, three, 700 million people. That is, that's 0.08% of deaths from the swine flu, 0.08%. Now we're talking about, I've just mentioned 3.4% at the moment on COVID. You know, they're talking that's more going to average out of about 2%, but who actually knows? So swine flu still, whilst it affected millions of people, the percentage fatality, which is still enormous, don't get me wrong, but, you know, when you talk about the common flu, which everyone has mentioned, you know, before, common flu, I think, is about 0.1%. So this is still under that in terms of fatality. So I say all of these because I hope it brings some form of perspective or maybe helps rationalise what this virus is like. And it all hinges on having the available data and facts and all of the cases recorded. So now I've got an interesting story for you, um, which I think is very relevant, which is why I'm going to say it. It uh, is about my nephew, actually, or not him per se, his friend who recently went on a skiing trip to Italy. Now, she came back. She has been poorly since. She was asked to self-isolate. We are waiting to hear whether or not she has been diagnosed as having the virus. If she has, the knock-on effect that will then have with my sister and her family is that they will all have to self-isolate as well. Now, if she's got it, she's, you know, she's been poorly, but she's fine. She'll be one of the cases that are listed in there as, you know, healing and uh, getting over the virus. It might be that my sister and, you know, her family, they don't even develop it or they get a mild case of it. You know, my sister's very healthy, as are, as are her family. So it's really interesting how we view it. Now, on the weekend, I found myself feeling quite poorly and I had a really tight chest. Uh, I got wheezy. I used to have asthma as a child. So when I'm a bit run down, that tends to, to present itself. Now, and it's most likely that I was run down. 
However, since these cases are popping up all the time where folk haven't necessarily been in obvious contact with somebody who's had the virus, and in more recent news, actually, there's a health worker down the road at a NHS cancer centre who has been diagnosed with having the coronavirus. So, you know, it's it's pretty much everywhere at the moment. And I... Unless I was really, really, really sick, I'd never contact a doctor. I mean, today I'm fine. And let's say I did have it, and realistically I didn't, but let's say I did have it, I'm not going to be on those stats because I didn't report it to the doctor. So again, this hinges back to how we report and what's online and who really did get it. And it can skew either way the, you know, the fatality rate in terms of if there are a lot of people that get it but don't realize they've got it they just think they've got a cold then that would bring down the death rates substantially and like I say most likely I didn't have it but it's really great food for thought because what it demonstrates is it's the fear of the unknown that drives us to worry how will I cope you know will I fall seriously ill how will my family cope how will it affect my family will I give it to them will I give it to somebody else am I going to affect lots of people who are poorly and so on we worry about the unknown. I actually mentioned this the other day to uh, to somebody. I I almost kind of want it to be a bit more exposed to, to folk because I think once we've all got it or we're all close to it, it will reduce the fear aspect and the worry aspect, as kind of weird as that might sound. And then that helps us understand, oh, crikey, we can get by and we're getting on with it. Because the fact is we always always get by and that's the incredible thing about you know us as a species and you know what we do I've got some family or family friends of ours at the moment who are going through an absolutely awful time at the moment and if I were to have asked them a year ago how they'd cope explaining what they're, they're dealing with now and the risk of you know this virus around they'd probably say there's no chance in the world they would be able to handle what they're dealing with but the fact is they are coping. I mean, perhaps, you know, on a, on a shoestring in terms of their uh, state of mind and, and how they're getting by. But they are coping because we do, because that's what we do. And we are really incredible at it. So the key thing is to focus on what we can control within our immediate life. Take comfort in what you can control. If you work with sick people and you feel more at ease by wearing a mask or perhaps cancelling a few appointments, then do it. That's totally fine. And, you know, if it makes you feel happier and you you can control that, so therefore you feel a bit more empowered with what's happening, do it. Equally, with the example I've just mentioned about my, you know, my nephew's friend, and perhaps I could have had the coronavirus, I could have had COVID-19, I wouldn't have necessarily known or I could have had it before I got sick well, kind of sick on the weekend. So we're equally as risky being around folk that don't even present signs of being poorly. So it's worth considering all of that and, and just kind of looking around what's happening to us. You know, I'm sat in my room at home. Nothing's changed. The world hasn't changed. I'm still doing everything that I do on a you know daily basis. It hasn't changed. So it's good to, to think about that and focus on what we can deal with immediately around us. Now, so let's look at some tips to help overcome the anxiety when dealing with a potential pandemic, which looks almost more certain as, as the days and hours go by. I always recommend this as the, as the not necessarily the first, but always something to do. So item one, I would say is talk to somebody, talk to people around you, talk to family, talk to someone online, help rationalise any fears you might have or just lessen the burden. Sometimes when we talk, 
we can get to the core root of what it is that's actually worrying us. And perhaps it's one of those questions I said earlier. Is it about, you know, somebody else getting poorly, us infecting somebody else? How will I cope? How will my family cope? You know, when we start talking, we can really get to understand what it is that worries us and then maybe put some prevention or some tools in place to help us handle that or some restrictions to stop us maybe getting into the the situation that does worry us. Then a second good tip would be to research. Certainly the stuff I've seen online, I mean, honestly, there is a lot of sensationalism. The media can do that with headlines. I mean, some of the stuff I read, I mean, I'm raising my eyebrows here and I'm rolling my eyes. It's just not necessary. So get to the bottom of it. Find out what is the truth as much as you can and understand exactly what it is that is going on. So then you know, you feel confident in your mind and you can tackle it rather than listening to potential hearsay. Find out what the reality is. And that can go back to item one as well, talking to somebody. If there's someone you trust and, you know, you you get on well with or, you know, you just value and respect what they have to say or their opinions and know they will have done the legwork, speak to them about it to get some, you know, fact checking if you like. And three, particularly where pandemics are concerned and viruses and general illness, wash and keep clean. There's lots of really good stuff online, actually, that talks about how we should be washing our hands. In fact, my son said to me this morning, I washed my hands and clearly I did it too quickly because he said, (laughs) did you sing? I think it was happy birthday or something like that. Did you sing happy birthday? And I just (laughs) looked at him. What are you talking about? But apparently that is what they're telling the children at school to sing happy birthday while they're washing their hands to make sure they wash them for long enough, which is fantastic. So, you know, good hygiene, good washing. Keep fit if you can. Get some exercise in, even if it's just walking or, you know, just going up some steps in your house or whatever. You know, keep fit and healthy will keep your immune system up. And in that eat healthily, try to get the the greens in and all the good stuff. Uh, Try to avoid the, you know the easy fattier foods that are out there if you can because if you can keep your immune system up you'll know in yourself that you know you'll be able to fight something if it if it were to come your way and knock on your door so all of that good stuff if you can try avoid touching your face as well I mean certainly this is something they're all talking about online if you've been in contact with anyone who's poorly or suspect it don't touch your face do the whole hand washing Uh, Interestingly, I saw online this morning, I think France are looking to implement a strategy whereby they're requesting um, French citizens no longer shake hands when they meet and don't do the quintessentially, uh, you know, European French kiss when you greet somebody, Uh, which oh, is so sad, but I get it. I really get it. In fact, what I saw, I think on Twitter the other day, I'm going to say they were Chinese folk. I'm not entirely sure they had face masks on, but one chap jumped out of a van and they went to kind of shake each other's hands or hug or something. And they both, whoa, no, easy. Uh, And uh, then they do this handshake with their feet. (laughs) Really made me laugh. But fabulous. I mean, at times like this, you also need to laugh. Laughing is really important. It's good for the soul. And, you know, it gets us by. It's really important. But stuff like that is very sensible, very, very good. And yeah, let's maybe all shake hands with our feet. I think that's fab, (laughs) really good. And now there's some other great stuff online in terms of tips to help with anxiety from taking time out for yourself, uh, eating well-balanced meals, as I've mentioned already. This is now this is a good one. Limiting alcohol and caffeine, which can aggravate anxiety and trigger panic attacks. Reading verbatim offline. 
it makes sense uh, how many of us have had a drink the next day you get alcohol blues really 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 clever and good idea to limit things like that when you're feeling a bit anxious and a bit worried uh, very very good idea to, to limit those kind of things that give you that unfortunate down after the high um, get enough sleep sleep is invaluable helps us be rational helps us have a clear mind taking deep breaths breathe in if you feel stressed and you know what just keeping yourself busy because as I mentioned earlier I'm I'm sat here everything around me is continuing elsewhere everyone's doing going about their daily life and as I sit here nothing really has changed in my world it's all the same if I were to walk outside I'd say hi to my neighbours it would be the same if I went to the shops the same you know get in my car it hasn't fundamentally changed the fear of what's to come potentially is what's you know, really knocking us. I was going to say killing us, but that's not appropriate. <laughs> Sorry, but it made me laugh anyway. Um, it's that kind of, you know, it's that fear that's stopping us from doing things. But principally, nothing's changed. It's the fear of the unknown that worries us. And if you can limit that, then you should be in a good place. So I've covered what the virus is, COVID-19. It will go down in history, no doubt. Uh, what the current statistics are, or at least what they were on Monday, the 2nd of March in G- uh, GMT time, 9am when I had a look. And hopefully it's just, just given you a good sense check on reality at this given moment uh, for us to kind of put things into perspective a bit in terms of what's happening. And then I've also covered some good tips on how to help with the anxiety. And seriously if you don't have anyone to talk to or you don't know who to talk to please email me you know I'd love to hear from you I've got no issue with talking to anybody or you know just chatting through any worries you might have like I said before I'm not a doctor and I don't offer any advice in any way shape or form in that in that in that guise but if you don't have anyone to talk to and you just need to kind of clear stuff off your chest knock yourself out I mean send me an email you know I say hi back it's not a problem So I hope this has been informative and welcomed. Uh, I know a lot of people are really worrying about this. And, you know, to a point, there's a a good thing to worry about. But also there's ways that we can calm that down. There's ways that we can help ourselves. There's ways that we can be proactive. And, you know, this will get by. It it will, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to spread. And we'll be able to, to work through with it. We just need to be mindful of, you know, washing, keeping ourselves fit and healthy and, just any other kind of preventative good suggestions that local governments and so on are are recommending. So uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening. As always, my contact details are nataliemillersnell at gmail.com. The website is seizethedashday.com. Instagram is seizetheday underscore today. And Twitter and Facebook are both natmillersnell. I hope you have a fantastic couple of weeks. We will speak again soon. Take care, look after yourself, keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Millersnell. All contact information can be found in the show notes, together with any links to websites I may have referred to in the show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please pop over to seizethedashday.com where you'll find my other shows. And come and talk to me at Twitter or email me on nataliemillersnell at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you.